and welcome to Just Plain Sense, the Equality and Diversity Podcast. I'm Christine Burns. If you've ever visited Manchester City Centre, then you may have noticed some small rainbow-coloured mosaics set into the pavement here and there. These pick out the landmarks in Manchester's LGBT Heritage Trail. With me is John Atkin, one of the trail guides. John, welcome to Just Plain Sense. What's the idea behind the LGBT Heritage Trail? Um, it, I think it's a celebration, really, of the kind of hidden history of LGBT people uh, in and around the city. For many years, uh, you know, that lifestyle was kind of illegal, underground. No one w- wasn't recorded particularly. So I think a few years ago, given that the amount of uh, stuff there is in Manchester related to that, culture and background and the number of people still around to talk about it um, we kind of gathered some evidence together and thought we'd put, put the trail together to kind of broadcast it to a wider public So you originally did this for Pride? Yes, um, it was commissioned by Pride. When, when, when Manchester was Euro Pride in 2003 which some people may remember uh, it was one of those initiatives to kind of boost the fact that we'd got Euro Pride and we got a grant Uh, commissioned someone to do some research to start the ball rolling Um, and that's how it started it's been going ever since so how far back does manchester's recorded lgbt history go um there are some cases of people being jailed uh going back to the kind of late 1700s uh, certainly the victorian era um, and and uh, kind of various um, LGBT kind of leisure activities, which I might mention later on, actually. But certainly in in the um, the jail records, the sentencing records, uh, they there's quite a few in the Victorian era when, of course, it was totally illegal and people were sentenced to hard labour for homosexual activities. So that it kind of goes back that far. But is it genuinely lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender? It is now, yes. The more evidence we've uncovered, um, it does. It does. Yes, the, the, all four of those are represented in the trail. I mean, for example, the transgender. Uh, I would say would th- th- there's two cases of that in the trail. Um, my favourite is a kind of transvestite ball, if you like, that was held um, in the 1880s, believe it or not, that was broken up by the police. So um, some kind of um, kind of modern connections there as well, going back to the 1980s, when we remember relations with the police weren't as good as they are now. Mm. Um, and yes, it was basically a transvestite ball uh, in an old uh, I think it was a disused temperance hall um, which was just fascinating the more you find out about that you think gosh you know did that really happen in 1880s but it did did I suppose some people might ask why an LGBT heritage trail and not say disability heritage trail or a women's or a racial one I think it highlights goes back to what I was saying at the beginning um, of the interview about it, it was hidden for so long. It, it wasn't illegal to be a woman, it wasn't illegal to be disabled, although obviously those two groups suffered terribly over the years. Um, I think possibly the women's movement's been well documented since women's suffrage. Uh, lots of books have been written on that, for example, in the, in the last 50 years or so. But I think it was quite recent that that people decided to turn, turn the spotlight on LGBT history because that really was nothing. Nothing had been written. It's like, take someone like Alan Turing. Um, 
consider his life and achievements there was nothing written about him until the 1980s um so i think i think that's that's the reasoning behind it, it's to start shining a spotlight to all that stuff that was forced underground by legislation for so many years so it, it must be quite difficult to pick out some of that history as well because it is so much about people living covert lives yes i mean the, the original researcher did a really good job to start picking out this and uh, you can go through the the court records to see what people were sentenced for obviously but what i like about the trail is it's kind of an organic thing and the people who come on the trail have long memories or they know people who had experiences so that the trail has altered over the years based on what people have told us who've gone on the trail Mm -hmm. so a lot of those anecdotes and memories will then go into the trail be part of the trail so actually that's one of the reasons why it's grown it's people's personal memories as well as the actual things in archives so so how many landmarks are there and and are they all related to canal street uh there's just under 20 um he said trying to remember um and they are not all related to canal street that's one of the reasons behind the trail we don't stick to Canal Street. Everyone thinks at the moment, in the last you know, 10, 20 years, that you know, gay in Manchester means Canal Street. And this trail is saying very much, yes, we do cover the, the history of Canal Street, but that was only about a quarter of it. And the rest of the sites are all around the city centre, uncovering the other sides of, of kind of gay culture going back to the you know, 80s, 70s, 60s and 50s. OK, what, what sort of highlights are there? Um, I like... Alan Turing, who I've already mentioned, there's the statue to Alan Turing in Sackville Gardens. We kind of cover his his life. Uh, there's the transvestite ball that I already mentioned, <laughs> uh, which is quite unusual. Um, and I like some of the talking about some of the old clubs that are long gone now, which mm-hmm. I think were very very important to people's lives at the time. Became the, the kind of centre of their hidden life and their expectations they would be almost like one person working during the week and then they would be gay or lesbian and go out at the weekend and and could show their true selves and I think it's strange that some of these places are just now derelict or furniture shops or are long gone but the, the stories revolving around those places are still alive and that's one of the reasons why I like taking people to some of the what would now you just walk past it now Mm. but actually that was the most important place in someone's life back in 1975 for example and and now Manchester is is a very welcoming mecca but even in recent history with for instance James Anderton as as the chief constable it, it wasn't was it it's quite Recent, a lot of the, the yeah, it, all this was hidden in the fifties, sixties, and seventies. And uh, you know, there's a few anecdotes about people having to leave clubs in groups to get back to the bus because you would be targeted. People would know where the gay clubs were, and um, you know, people would be waiting for for gay and lesbian people to kind of beat them up. Um, and yes, the authorities themselves um, weren't looking very kindly on. Uh, LGBT people at all. Um, we do talk about the legislation um, and the fact when it, before it was decriminalised, this kind of tension between the kind of growing gay liberation movement, but also the establishment on the other side who were fighting to to to, to kind of um, to keep the lid on it all, if you like. There's a lot of speeches by you know bishops and lords in the 1950s saying this is an abomination and you know we shouldn't let these people kind of out into society so I think that kind of tension over many years kind of reached boiling point um 
And unfortunately, even after it was decriminalised, yes, certain people like James Anderton had a very bad attitude. Um, and unfortunately, he was in a position to do something about it. Uh, happily, though, of course, um, relations with the police are much, much better. And in fact, the police are themselves very openly accepting of, of their own LGBT members of staff. Mm-hmm. And of course, some people will know that they march in the Pride Parade and have done for quite a few years now, which is strange because under James Anderton you would never have dreamt that would ever have <laughs> happened. And now it's kind of, it's wonderful to see them as part of the parades. So, so why do you think it's important nowadays for people to know about these locations? Um, I think because there's a new generation um, coming up now. I mean, it's, it's weird to think that the village itself is 20 years old. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. You know, I was there kind of when it was starting. You forget how long it's been going. Actually, some people who are going out in the village now weren't even born when, say, someone like Manto was built. Um, so actually, there's a as people get older and die and those memories get lost, I think there's a danger that... Um, some of the younger people don't know all the background and the struggle and the hardships and the, 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 how frightening it was. Um, and so I think this this is really important, this this trail, because it actually educates people the long struggle to get to where we are today, the happy place. You know, not totally happy, but the happier place that we are today. Shall we go outside and have a look? Yes, let's go. Right, well, we've come to Sackville Gardens in the centre of the city. Uh, John, what are we looking at? Well, we're looking at the statue of um, Alan Turing, which some people may may have seen or uh, even sat next to, because he's sat on a bench, uh, sat down. Uh, you can sit next to him, have your picture taken. And I think it's a lovely way of commemorating somebody, a very visible way of commem- commemorating someone who who really was, his story was kind of shoved underground, he was persecuted uh, for being gay, uh, put on trial, lost his job, uh, and ended, ended up, uh, they suspect, killing himself. Um, he's holding an apple um, because he apparently laced an apple with cyanide and, and ate it. Um, and considering the his amazing achievements, you know, working on the Enigma code-breaking machine in the Second World War, working on the early computers at Manchester. You know, he's one of the most significant people in British scientific history, and yet his story was completely lost. I mean, partly because a lot of the work he did was secret, but you know, uh, because of his his um, sexuality, this was an embarrassment to the government at the t- of the time. And so, um, it, his story only really came to light in the eighties uh, with a biography. There was a program on a play called Breaking the Code, and then a program with Derek Jacobi. Um, and and now he's got the statue and a road named after him in Manchester as well. So, and it's his centenary in two thousand and twelve. So I know there's a lot of um, things going to be going on around the country. In, indeed, Alan Turing Way is a part of the inner ring road isn't it it is it is i cycled down it the other day actually and uh, very very good it was too you know it's um, very nice that somebody there's not many people in manchester who've had um, roads named after the, them so actually it's quite significant that he's kind of got the recognition now but then it's said that hundreds of thousands of people owe, owe their lives to the work he, he and his colleagues did at bletchley park during the war as you said secret work Yes, oh, absolutely indeed. I mean, some people would even argue that that team helped to shorten the war because it enabled us to know what the Germans were doing in advance. 
Um, so yes, he's just a, a pivotal figure, um, and we all we all know how significant computers are. And again, he was kind of pivotal in the development of computers in this country. So um, yeah, very very important figure. Just a mark of how secret it was, actually. I, I came to Manchester in the 1970s to study computer science with the people who had worked with him, and they still didn't talk about him. Ah, that's you see, that, that is significant, isn't it? Not only is it the work, but also it's the shame, I would suspect, that this man was prosecuted, disappeared, um, no-one talked about him because of what had happened to him, what they suspected him happened to him so it's it's that's that's terrible really isn't it that someone of of that significance just wasn't even talked about so so i mean this is a this is a very good setting to actually come come and reflect on on that and i suppose very similar things in other people's lives as well yes it is it's i like sackville gardens it's a very quiet place in the middle of a bustling city um and it's just nice to kind of glance over and see him sat on the bench unlike some memorials that are more abstract he's a very kind of uh, physical figure dressed in his suit and you could really start to empathize with him in his his, his troubled life i think it's a very powerful uh, and yet friendly monument how often do you do these tours um we do them to order so um people can get in touch community groups youth groups gay groups uh, walking clubs um, so if anyone wants us to do them, we'll do them. Um, we do them during Pride and during LGBT History Month. Um, so we, we, we kind of we're, we're always available to do them whenever people want them. So if somebody wants to organise one, they can. Is it the Manchester Tourist Office? Yes, they would contact Manchester Tourist Office, um, and the number there is oh eight seven one treble two eight double two three. Okay, we'll give that number at the, again at the end of the program. Shall we? Shall we move on to the next landmark? Okay, let's go. Right, where are we now, John? Well, we're on Kennedy Street, which is for those people who don't know, it's it's quite near the town hall in Albert Square, which is kind of tucked tucked away in one of the back streets. These are quite narrow little streets, aren't they? They are. This this one's been redeveloped uh, quite a lot recently which means that the actual place on the heritage trail that we're talking about is no longer there so you'll, there's a little rainbow tile uh, but the actual building unfortunately isn't there anymore now yeah these, these tiles are quite interesting aren't they um, people probably don't notice them when they're passing they probably don't actually or if they do they just think oh I wonder what that is and kind of walk on Um, they're designed by a local artist Mark Kennedy who specialises in tile work uh, and they're quite intricate actually if you actually look at one properly they're quite nice little works of art on their own right describe one Um, it's kind of ceramic tile in rainbow stripes made up of tiny little um, individual coloured tiles forming a rainbow set into um, a flagstone or paving stone or even the concrete. Do you ever get them vandalised? Uh, we do, unfortunately, yes. I mean, uh, when the trail first started um, five years ago, more longer than that, uh, someone put paint uh, on some of the ones in the village as a protest which was cleaned off and then they did it again and it was cleaned off again and then thankfully they stopped Um, and also the tiles suffer from wear and tear as well so people walking over them a lot they get chipped a bit but we do occasionally uh, 
replace them. And do, have any of it accidentally been dug up? Yes, there was, <laughs> there was one that was dug up. Um, unfortunately, the, the flagstone round it cracked, and instead of replacing the flagstone but keeping the tile, they replaced everything, uh, just put a new... Um, a new flagstone in with no rainbow tile so we had to uh, get that remedied so that has now got a rainbow tile again actually we've been so busy talking we've forgotten why we're here yes we did um well we're here because this street um had the headquarters of the campaign for homosexual equality uh in it uh in the 1970s um it did actually move around a little bit it was in king street at one point but its main home for many years was here um and this was an organization that fought for lgbt rights um in the 1970s and became a national organization even though it started um here in the northwest really before the law was changed in 67 uh, the northwestern homosexual law reform committee which is a bit of a mouthful um that was the northern branch of a kind of um, a similar organisation in London formed at the end of the 50s to start agitating for the change in the law. Uh, and the one in London had kind of bishops and well-known writers and people like J.B. Priestley, I think. Um, whereas this one was made up of ordinary people in Manchester who wanted to help out from a northern perspective. Um, and that was the one that ended up lasting longer than anyone had ever thought it would. Um, after a lot of kind of preparation, uh, they had a, a meeting at Church House on Dean's Gate in 1964, I think it was, semi-public meeting, which was quite audacious for the times. Uh, was supported by the church, Bishop of Manchester, gave them the use of Church House. Um, so it became a kind of public campaign in the 60s, the law was changed, and then essentially the, the, the kind of group in London decided okay the law was changed that's it we've done enough but the one in Manchester kind of carried on and thought well you know we haven't got equal rights. I was gonna say let's just let's just contextualize that 1967 the Sexual Offences Act all that did was to stop it being unlawful for men to have sex with each other. Yes. Um, I've forgotten how to put this now in in private. In private you had to be over 21 um, yes, so it just meant it wasn't... You couldn't be prosecuted for having uh, gay sex in private. But if you held hands in public, you could still possibly be arrested. Yes, yes. It, 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 gay, As we know, gay people weren't equal under the law until relatively recently. Um, astonishingly enough, it took many, many years to get an equal age of consent, for example... So this, the CHE campaign carried on campaigning into the 70s um, and became a national organisation um, with branches all around the country. And it still exists. It's more of an information resource now, I think. And other organisations um, started up in the 70s as well, like the Gay Liberation Front, for example. Um, so more and more people started to agitate for a, 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 another change in the law. But I think it was significant that the CHE kind of started in Manchester and became a national organisation. So although there's no CHE branch in Manchester now, there was for many years, and that hence we stop on Kennedy Street. Do other cities in, in England have heritage trails for LGBT like this? Um, I've not heard of one I'm sure every big city in Britain will have LGBT history or hidden history obviously um, so it's there waiting to be uncovered and especially London I know that um, 
I've been on some walking tours in London when they go through Soho. They mention gay lifestyles in Soho, but it's also about the history of Soho and, and other things going on in Soho, like the red light stuff. Um, the only other one I know offhand in a, in a city elsewhere is San Francisco. They have a dedicated LGBT trail, which I think lasts most of the day, and you stop for lunch in the middle, which sounds wonderful actually um we, we no lunch on our trail unfortunately how long does the trail take here depends how fast people walk um sometimes we have tourists come on it do want to take a lot of pictures and take it easy so it can take about two and a half hours but normally about two hours so you don't need to be uh you know, a, a really uh, energetic walker to be able to do this no, not at all. No, it's 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 essentially it's a stroll around the city centre. Um, so no, you don't have to be energetic. John, thank you. I've been talking to John Atkin about Manchester's LGBT history trail. And if people want to come on the trail, John, how can they do that? Um, they can contact the tourist information centre, and the number is oh eight seven one treble two eight double two three. And that, as usual, brings us to the end of another episode of Just Plain Sense. If you'd like to hear more, then the place to go is our website, podcast.plain-sense.co.uk. Take a look at the subscription options there as well, so you'll never miss subsequent shows. Join us again soon for another programme on a topic relating to equality and diversity. For now, though, from the streets of Manchester, it's goodbye and thank you for listening. Just Plain Sense is a Plain Sense limited production.